This is from Colossians 3, 18 through 4, 1. Rules for Christian households. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Renee. Let me pray for us. Lord, uh, wow, the rubber meets the road in Colossians. Here we go. Uh, pray for us now, Lord, as we look at um, how the gospel works its way into the very fabric of our homes and our relationships and uh, our working identities, uh, Lord, that you would give us a lot of grace to hang in there this morning. Uh, to not jump ship quick, uh, but to trust uh, that you have something for us and that you're, you want to speak, you want to set us free from some of the things uh, that we're even enslaved to. So, guide me now, may my thoughts and my words uh, only be what you want, nothing more and uh, certainly nothing less. We ask this uh, and pray in your name, amen. All right, have a seat. If this is your first time at Creve Hall, what a great Sunday. <laughs> wow. Everybody needs to lighten up a little bit. Uh, rules for Christian households. Um, we've been in Colossians. We're only in Colossians for one more week before uh, we start Advent. But just to kind of prep us for what we're going to talk about uh, this morning you know, Paul's written this letter to the Colossian church, and he has been making the case for the whole first half or more of the book that because of what Jesus has done, you've got this completely new identity in Christ and this completely new family in Christ. That because of what Christ has done, he's made out of a bunch of different races and people from different places and people who were once hostile to one another and divided uh, socioeconomically, spiritually, socially. He's taking all of those barriers and he said, I'm, I'm demolishing all of those and I'm making this new family because of what I've done for you in Christ. You are chosen, you are holy, you are dearly loved. That, that's your identity now. Not the things that you used before, but these things. And as a result of that new identity and that new family, even when I say identity, we tend to think in terms of individual identity. I'm talking about family. Okay, that's what this passage is about. It's about the family. You're, you're chosen, you're holy, and you're dearly loved. And as a result, 
Just like when you, you come into a new family uh, or when you're having children, you're getting new clothes all the time. There's these new clothes, these new fruits of the way that we relate to one another in our new relationships. We're marked by things like gentleness and kindness and humility and love and patience and forgiveness. And he's saying, the new family, this is what the new family looks like, it smells like, it feels like. All of these things, these are the things that we're clothed in. And how does the new family stay clothed that way? Treating one another that way, living that way amongst one another? Well, you're gonna have to have the peace of Christ ruling in your heart is what Paul's told us. The peace of Christ is gonna have to sit on the throne of your heart and the word of Christ is gonna have to dwell in you richly. And when that happens, it produces gratitude and thankfulness because I'm grateful for what Jesus has done for me. And it's out of that place that our words and our deeds are truly able to be done in the name of the Lord, right? It says that again in here when it's talking about the bondservants. Do it as working for the Lord, not for men. Do what you're going to do because of Him. Not because of them, because of Him. So we're set free from this life of promoting my name or doing things in my name or defending my name. Seeking only my gain. And I'm set free now because I'm a part of this new family. I've got this new spirit and this new heart and this new identity to pursue the good of others because that is the mark of the gospel. It's the mark of Jesus. He lays down his life. So Paul, in this, in this portion, I love it. He's, he's given the majority of his books. Say, look at what Jesus has done. Look at Jesus. Okay, now let's talk about what we, how then shall we live? This new identity leads to different activities. And he's getting uber practical, and I know we're talking about wives, submit to your husbands and husbands and all this sort of stuff, and it's like I said when he did it in First Peter, juggling chainsaws, right? I'm going to juggle the chainsaws this morning and probably get cut up, but that's cool. This is worth bleeding for. Paul is talking about where this new identity is most going to be challenged and where we're going to see the fruit of it in your life. The evidence of this new transformed heart is going to be in your home. And it's, it's sticky here. We're not going to be able to get into all this about bond servants and masters, but uh, we're stretching here to say and in, your, in the way you relate as you work. Your relationships with your spouse, your kids, and those that you work with and you work for. Okay? How, because of Jesus, do we handle our positions of authority where we have them? How do we handle those in love and in the light of Christ? And how do we submit to one another in love and light of Christ? That's what we're talking about this morning. And Paul is saying the, the depth of the gospel transformation that's happened in your life, it's going to be seen most clearly in those relationships that are closest to you. I don't know about you, but oftentimes it's pretty easy to kind of fake it out there, you know, keep the world out there thinking everything's great. But really the litmus test is talk to me about what's going on in the home. Talk to me about what it's like to be in relationship with that person when you're married to them, when they're your parent, or when they're your boss or somebody you work for. Does the Bible have anything to say about that today? Because culturally, things certainly have changed from this time. 
from the time that this audience was receiving this, lots of things are different culturally for us, but is there anything that we can look at today and say, principally, that's the same today, and we need to follow and be obedient to the Lord in this? So, two things. I had four things last week, so I've taken one off this week, we're going to go with two, okay? You like that? Yeah, so it's like an average of three over two sermons. <laughs> Our identity in Christ, this is the big thing. This is the one thing. The identity in Christ, it changes our focus in all of our relationships. If you leave here hearing nothing more than that, that that's what I would love for you to consider is, is that because of what Jesus has done for you, your identity in Christ, it, it fundamentally changes what you focus on in every relationship you're in, whether that's with your spouse, with your kid, or with your coworker or your boss, okay? And I know I'm stretching on the coworker boss because we're talking slaves and masters and all of that. We don't have those kind of relationships these days. And if you do, you need to get out, okay? It's true. That was going on in, the, in this time. And thankfully, that stuff in many ways, in many parts of the world, it's been abolished. It still exists, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what's the focus in our relationships because of the identity of Christ. And then how do we stay there? I'm going to talk about all of us being the bride, all of us forever the child coming to Jesus the servant, okay? Our identity in Christ changes the focus in our relationships. Because what we're talking about you followed what Renee read, wives submit to your husbands as un or as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children obey your parents. Bond servants work as unto the Lord and not for men, even if you have a harsh master. Right? We're talking about willing submission. We're talking about loving authority. We're talking about children obeying their parents, and we're talking about people who are in tough work situations working as unto the Lord. Which, if you're following that, uh, this is, that's hard stuff. Everybody should feel a little bit bristly right now, a little porcupine, right? And into this context, he was speaking into an incredibly cruel world of the time. Where it was completely male-dominated. It was a completely paternalistic society where women, where children, and where bondservants had no rights. They were literally the property of the man. And it's not that we're immune to every aspect of how that can play itself out, but, but the culture that he was, he was speaking into, it was culturally, familially, and societally so bad. It was so dark. It was so broken because of sin. And Paul is saying, if the gospel is going to begin to push that darkness back, if the gospel is going to be um, making all things new and recreating, showing what is possible in relationships because of what is Jesus, we're going to have to start at the very epicenter, which is the home. Paul is concerned. He's concerned with the body. He's concerned with the family. And he is ultimately concerned with society. But what's challenging, and it's going to be challenging for us to stay here with me in this moment, and it's this. He's saying we cannot afford to look at this passage from our hyper-individualistic mindset. 
Because it's tough. It's tough for me to even preach this because even in studying this, I'm like, man, it is so hard to not study this stuff from the place of thinking of myself as an individual because we are a society of individuals. And the highest value is the value of self culturally. But Paul, he's speaking directly into that and he's saying, we're going to start with the very epicenter of the home and that means it starts with the wife and the husband and it ripples out from there. If this cultural change, which culture takes time to change, doesn't it? But if it's going to change, it's going to change from the inside out. It's going to change from the heart out. And it's going to start with the home. And in biblical marriage, this is what the Bible says about marriage, that two are one flesh. So we can't look at this from the me and you. It's we. We are supernaturally, is what Scripture says, bound together in this unique relationship called marriage. And so we approach a text like this and say, how are we to live, male and female, husband and wife? How are we to live in a way that reflects the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts and the word of Christ dwelling in us richly? Paul said, this is what I'm concerned about. You can't, you can't afford to look at this just as a man and a woman, as individuals but being concerned with the body, with the family, and ultimately how that ripples out into society. So he says what? Everybody with me? All right. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Parking brake. Right? Donuts. Thank you for laughing. I know. We need a, I don't have a lot of humor in this sermon. I'm sorry. It's serious stuff. Women hear this, and they, and they recoil. And they should, in many ways, I'll give a disclaimer here, for good reason. Because passages like this and others have been taken out of context, they've been read in isolation, and they've been used as weapons for control and for power. Because the person who is in authority, who is in that position of power, used that authority and that position not for their good or for their best, but for their own gain. Because that's what sin does. That's what sin does. Sin always has us use our position for us. Sin always has us use our authority or role for us. And what Paul is saying to the women in Colossae is this. You have this new freedom now. And I want you to be careful how you walk and how you wield that freedom and that power. Are you going to walk with wisdom and with grace and as is fitting in the Lord, as the Lord directs us to use our place and our position or power, or are you? Because what Paul is saying, I know we hear it from one, one position of wives submit and we recoil. 
It was controversial what he was saying, but not for the reasons we hear it. Like, I wish Paul could be here and be like, that's not what I meant when I said that. Because I think that's what he'd say. The fact that he was addressing women at all in Scripture and saying wives submit to your husbands, not wives obey your husbands, was, was a powerful, pregnant, liberating, massive value statement to the dignity of a woman. He was saying, woman in the home, woman in society, you are incredibly valuable. You are free in Christ. You are equal to your husband in value. And as an image bearer of God himself, you are now set free to choose to submit. Galatians 3, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to this promise. It was controversial because he was esteeming the woman and holding her in high value and he's saying, you set free now. You're free to choose to submit. Ultimately, first and foremost, to God and to the roles that God has established in your marriage as is fitting in the Lord. But he's saying, first, I submit to the Lord and I believe this. Lord, you have made man and woman to be in this unique relationship where both are equal, but both serve and submit to one another in different ways, and that is for the good of one another and the good of the family. That's what I believe. And so I'm first and foremost submitting the Lord into the way that he has created us, to his authority, to his husbandry, acknowledging this, that my value it never comes from my role because my value precedes my role. We'll talk about the Trinity eventually in the sermon, I think, but God didn't value or love Jesus, his son, because he went to the cross. He valued him before he went to the cross, before he did anything. And he's saying you've been set free now. You have a very powerful freedom now. How are you going to walk in that freedom? Because you're free to choose to submit now. You're not called to obey. Let me say what this is not saying. What this is not saying in directing women is to say to stay or submit or to obey in an abusive relationship or openly or blindly, or sorry, obey blindly. Even pagan Greco-Roman statutes did not sanction the right to spousal abuse. It's not saying stay or submit to an abusive relationship or obey blindly, especially if he's using his headship or his authority for his own advantage and to not serve you or serve your family's best. Because that's how Christ uses his headship. That's how Christ uses his authority. But to submit 
means this. <laughs> Bring your whole self, all of your wisdom, all of your skills, all of your thoughts, all of your ideas, all of your capacity, all of your feelings, bring it all to him. Bring your whole self and challenge him even. Do so with gentleness and kindness and patience and all the fruit of the Spirit, right? We'll get to the husbands here in a second. Do it with your words. Do it with your behavior. Because when you submit to him in that way, you may very well help shape the outcome of the situation that you two are trying to navigate as a family. He needs you. You've been given to him. Submit. Bring it all. Fight for him. Fight for what's best. Fight for what's true. And do so in focusing on Christ and the work he has done and is doing in us. Because when we do that, we won't just jump. We won't just blindly go along, and we won't just jump on difficulty. Because we'll see here in a sec as I talk to the husbands. Everyone gets the chance in marriage to play the Jesus role. Sometimes that looks like submitting to authority like Jesus the Son, who is equal to the Father, and yet submitted to the will of the Father. I've not come to do my will, but to do the will of the Father. And sometimes that looks like Jesus the servant, where by submission he chose to humbly submit, take on flesh, Go to death on a cross. Live a life of humiliation. Suffer in love so that you, he could win you and me. Well, men are called to submit too here. And I would argue it was, a, <laughs> even culture at the time, maybe potentially a much more radical reversal of the norms of the day than what the women were being invited into. Because in the Greco-Roman world, regardless of your religious affiliation, inclination, women were treated horribly by men. And Paul is now saying that in Christ, <laughs> because of what Christ has done for you men, you are to submit those barbaric me-first marriages, those barbaric me-first parenting, that barbaric me-first headship and work, the rights that you culturally have, because everybody said, that's the norm, it's cool. You're to submit those me-first marriages and the rights you culturally have to treat women and your spouses this way and to now love your wives, is what Ephesians says, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It, it was ding, ding, ding. I mean, ringing the bell of, I'm calling you men to submit in a way that rails against the norms of the day. Where it was utterly permissive and normative to treat your wife like a possession and an object in your existence. She was an accessory. She wasn't an equal partner. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no more. Now she is equal 
And you're called to love her as Christ loved the church, to lay down your life for her as Christ laid down his life for the church, and to love her like you love yourself. That's hard for us to see. In some ways, I would say I'm glad it's hard for us to see because it means we've made some progress. (laughs) But Paul here is not painting an oppressive picture for men or for women, but a beautiful one. In his day and age, where women are cherished, where women are loved, where women are valued, where women are seen as the image bearers that they are, they're valued, they're esteemed, they're invited in, and men are called to follow the Lord's call to love and treat their wives and women in this context and their spouses this way. And that, that bleeds down in this passage to their children and to their bond servants because they understand something, men. You know that you have a master in heaven. You know, too, that you are someone under authority. So for us today, because the truth is, we still have men misusing their authority and their positions poorly, don't we? Let me just say it here. I'll use an I statement. (laughs) I misuse my authority and my position as a man poorly sometimes. We also are in a time, culturally, where erasing all the roles and lines in marriage and in every other area is being touted as the new way forward. in an attempt to equalize value and power. The danger in that, I think the Bible would say, and the problem with that is is that the answer of erasing all roles and all lines in marriage and all other areas as being the way to equalize power and value The Bible says it won't deliver on what it suggests. That God-given roles in relationships in the home is not the problem. The heart, this is what the Bible says, the heart is the main problem and sin in the heart. That's the problem. In the home and in society, And if that isn't addressed, sin in the heart, any role you're in, you will fulfill that poorly. You will abuse that role. You will misuse that role because sin in the heart does something. And it's this, it always moves me to the center of my life. Not God. God is not in the position of authority anymore. I am. Sin always moves me to the center of my life where I'm the thing that I love with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Remember, that was the the great command, the sum of the law and the prophets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Sin puts me in a position where I'm the thing that I love with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And therefore, I cannot love my neighbor, my spouse, my employee, or my child as God loves me. Sin 
not role is what makes us devalue each other. Sin, not God's design of male and female in his image with different roles, positions, gifts, functions in his created order, is why we use our positions poorly. Sin is why men use their power in abusive ways rather than loving their wives as Christ loved the church. And sin, I would suggest, is why women, their sin and the sin that's been done against them by men. Sin is why women struggle to seek their value through means that culture defines worthy like outward beauty rather than how Scripture defines, which is inward beauty. Like in Proverbs 31, where it says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That's what Scripture says is beauty. The truth is, is that before Christ has done what Christ has done for us, sin is where our true equality exists. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But now that Christ has come and Christ has done what he did, what we have in common, what makes us equal more than our sin is this, our need of the grace and love of God. That's where our equality exists. When sin is dealt with in the human heart, which is what Scripture says God has done, I've given you a new heart and I've given you a new spirit along with this new family. What I see is that the role and the value discussion, it actually begins to dissolve because it gets replaced with something. It gets replaced with mutual, self-deferring, loving relationships where my primary focus isn't on me, the individual, but it's on you. Because I've been set free from being about me. It gets replaced with mutual, self-deferring, loving relationships where we're considerate and we respect even our differences. We even celebrate our differences as men and women. We cherish those things. It's good. Because when the Lord created us, I mean, he created Adam and Eve, and what did he say before they ever did anything? It's very good. Don't you see We had that value before we ever did one thing. Our role does not give us the value. We have it. Yet we live in a world that says it's what you do that gives it to you. That's not biblical. So when sin is dealt with in the human heart, when I stop trying to get my value that way, it gets replaced with mutual, self-deferring, loving, considerate, respecting our differences and even celebrating them relationships. I honor my wife, and she honors me. We don't erase those roles, we fulfill them. So what that looks like is I'm going to leave a life of seeking a role to give me the value that I so deeply desire. And the desire to be valued, it's good. The desire to be loved, it's good. It's God-given. But we are not meant to get that through our role, but through Him. And we have it. You've got that verdict in Jesus. 
And he's saying, I want you to walk in that, and I want you to practice that with one another in your homes, with your children, and in your work. Because this new identity, it changes your focus in all of your relationships. It sets me free to love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and therefore now I'm set free to love my neighbor as myself. That's why Jesus, or Paul said in Corinthians, Jesus came so that those who live might no longer live for themselves. The gospel has set us free from that self-first mindset, that self-first heart set. So in this context, in the context of the home, male and female, husband and wife, the picture is this. I can submit to you and you can love me, and we do this dance of mutual self-submission and mutual self-love of one another. I put you and your best and your needs first. And I do that, why? First and foremost, and always connected to what Jesus has done for me. He died for me, and so now I'm set free to die to myself and to live unto Christ. Philippians 2 says it like this. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete and be like-minded. So if you're not united to Christ, if you've experienced his love, if you want to share in his Spirit, then this is the mindset. Having the same love, being one in spirit and mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Do not look to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. You hear it? The focus of the relationship is completely different. He didn't consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. It's the heart of the gospel. And what we're talking about this morning, it's impossible without it. Because without it, I'm always going to use my position. I'm always going to use my freedom for me. And Paul is saying, and the gospel is saying, there's a deeper freedom than the freedom to do what you want and what you think is best for you. It's the the freedom of self-forgetfulness with the good of another in mind because you realize that Christ had you on his mind and he emptied himself for you. And when you taste of that love and when you walk in that love and when you remain in him, it's easy. It becomes far easier to submit and to surrender to that sort of love and to live in that with one another because it's a love that puts my best first. When those are the economics of our marriages, when those are the economics of our parenting, when those are the economics of our work relationships, it's easy. It's beautiful. Because everyone's using their position for the other's advantage. Well, that's great. 
How do we do that? Oof. Because that's all, that's all wonderful, wow, beautiful, yeah, gospel. Out there today, tomorrow, how do I stay in the place we're talking about? Well, I'm going to suggest this, that it's impossible if we, don't, if we don't see in here where he keeps saying, what's fitting in the Lord, do it as unto the Lord. He's saying something very important, and that's this. You will never be able to walk in this if you don't stay step by step with Jesus Christ in this. So three suggestions. You're going to have to meditate on these or talk about them in your small group or talk about them amongst yourselves with your friends. All the bride, forever the child, and look to the servant Jesus. Okay? All the bride. I wrote here, every husband is a wife first to Jesus before he's a husband. You know that's what the Bible teaches, right? That the church is called the bride of Christ. So that means this, that we're all first in that submission role. And without a constant perspective and tasting of that reality, we will not have the humility to live into the roles that God has called us to in our lives. So he's saying, I want you to never stop being my bride. Never stop being my bride. Let me woo you. Let me love you. Let me, let me pour out my affection on you. Let me husband you, men. Let me husband you, women. Never stop being my bride. Because that's what you are. And I've purchased you. You're mine. Forever a child, Jesus is always inviting us. He's saying, come to me like little children. And we say, and I want you to obey me, which to obey him means to trust him. And I can't trust him if I don't know his heart, right? He's saying, I want you to trust and follow me as your father because you know my heart is a father. And you've seen what I do for my kids. Obedience is, is completely impossible if I don't trust the heart of the one asking me to obey. And so he's saying, I want you to never stop being a bride and I want you to forever approach me as a child. From the heart of a child who knows the heart of his father. And then lastly, seeing Jesus as the servant. Jesus says this, the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The picture here is, is that Jesus is the one, like at the, at the upper room supper, who wraps the towel around his waist and says, I want to come wash your feet. I want to come serve you. Jesus is saying, would you, would you let me serve you? Over and over again, let me wash you. Wash your feet with the truth of what I've done for you. And as I do that, as you come to me like a child, as you let me be your husband, as you let me serve you, I'll transform the way that you walk and live and love in these relationships. Because this is the truth. At the very end, he says, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly. The truth is this, that he didn't treat me justly and fairly. Because in my sin, he took what I justly deserved, which was wrath and death, and he took that upon himself. And now guess what you and I get? We get what Christ justly and fairly deserves, which means this, his mercy and his grace 
is the baseline of our life and our relationships. And I approach my marriage, my children, the places I have authority, and the places I'm under authority from that place. I'm the recipient of his mercy and his grace. I'm the one whom Jesus has done this for. And he set me free. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you uh, that you never call us to anything, to walk into anything that you not only have given us everything we need to do it, but you've done it infinitely more. Thank you uh, that you submitted and said, not my will, but yours be done. Thank you that you were a son of your father who obeyed uh, and said, I've come to do your will. Thank you uh, that you're not a tyrant master who demands uh, do more and then I'll love you, but puts the towel around your waist and says, I do love you. You have deep value to me, and I want to set you free from getting your value anywhere else. Lord, I pray that would be a mark of our relationships, male and female. I pray that would be a mark of our marriages, that our marriages would be places of such harmony and mutual self-deferring love and respect that people would look into our marriages and say, what is going on there? Because I see how you, male and female, treat one another, and it's different. It's sacred. It's beautiful. It's restoring something to me. And that we could say it's because of what Jesus has done for us. May we be parents who parent from a place of not just our own interests, but the best of our children, and who love our children in the way that you loved us. Lord, set us free. Uh, thank you that you have. Help us to walk in it. In your name, amen.